This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast. I am your host, Zach Lee, here at the end of a Sunday evening. Uh, all the games are in the books. Everything has happened. And I have to say, before we even celebrate a 2-0 and Bears victory, I just want to say that I'm thrilled that we didn't lose half our team to injury today because it was injury Sunday in the NFL. Really, really hard to watch. A lot of really, really difficult injuries. Um, up and down rosters, stars on both sides of the ball. And uh, my first thought is, God, I hate injuries. God, there's a lot of them in the NFL. And uh, as it turns out, the Bears seem to have gotten away without having any major ones. I think Buster Screen was nicked up. And, of course, we didn't know if we were going to see David Montgomery again after he flipped and landed on his damn head. Um, But he did come back in the game and almost salted away the victory by himself. Unfortunately, we had um, not good Mitch uh, showing up in the second half after an incredible first half of football. So, Let's zoom out for a second. Let's see if we can do that. Final score, 17 to 13. And if you just look at the stats, the overall stats, you'd say, you know, uh, it, it, no great offensive shakes. The Bears have 300 total yards, uh, 306, 306 total yards. Mitch is 18 to 28 for a buck 90, two TDs and two picks. Not at all the case. This is really a story of two halves and I mean, this is how stark it is. The picture of the game is one is can be encapsulated in just this. At halftime, the Bears are up 17 to nothing. They're 7 of 10 on third down, which after last week going 0 of 8, you just the initial drive of the game is a 12 play drive and they're matriculating the ball down the field and just extending plays and finding a way to move the chains. It's everything we ever hoped for. They had the ball twice as long as the Giants, and Trubisky was 13 of 18 for 159 yards and two touchdowns and a rating of 136.1. And I 
would say to you that that wasn't a good enough picture of how good he was because Anthony Miller dropped a dime throw in the end zone after a Robert Quinn forced fumble and a Khalil Mack uh, recovery. It was just such a sweet little moment. It was just like, oh, my God, opening drive, touchdown, and then a turnover on defense and a short field, and then a perfect throw, and then Anthony Miller dropped it. Um, yeah, Anthony Miller had a bad game today. But anyways, to get back to the, the the two pictures, the snapshots of this game. So Trubisky, 136.1 rating. The second half, Mitch is 5 of 10 for 31 yards with two picks. And that's a passer rating of 17.1. Two of five on third downs. Really, look, let's just kind of talk about the picks really quick because if you look at the stat line, you say, okay, Mitch must have thrown a couple terrible ones. The first one looks to have been thrown into traffic. It's a little bit late. He you know, stood in the pocket and patted the ball for a while and threw it uh, to, you know, who else but Allen Robinson. It was tipped in the air. I, without a look at the all 22 to see if anybody else was open to see if there was a better read on the field, you can't really fault him for it right now. Now it may come out later that, you know, just like last week, Jimmy Graham is crossing the field completely alone and will probably go in for a touchdown on his own. But failing that I have really no problem with the decision. It's just, you know, it was a tipped ball, it was tight coverage and it went up in the air. The other one, the throw down the sideline to Allen Robinson, that's on Allen Robinson. And it's an incredible play by James Bradbury, the New York Giants DB. I can't believe that he picked that off, and he did. So did Mitch protect the ball? No. There's two turnovers in the second half. I really don't put it on him. And in the passing game, I don't think he got a hell of a lot of support in the first half, even with the Bears scoring 17 points. So... This isn't Mitch's fault. The only problem is the quarterback's job is to be a field general and to make sure that they matriculate the ball down the field. So there are a couple inflection points throughout the game where you go, yeah, that's a play where a quarterback finds a way. And he didn't. So the Bears score zero points in the second half. They need a goal line stop at the very end of the game to preserve the victory. It's so weird. I don't know if you guys have this experience watching these games, but like when Mitch is having a good moment, when it's two-minute Mitch, whenever those two minutes happen, everything looks wonderful. We're scoring touchdowns. It's easy to figure out where the good plays were. You're spreading the ball around. And I have to say, in the first half, I think it was 10 different receivers caught the ball, maybe nine. I mean, literally, the ball is going to all kinds of different guys. It looks great. Mitch makes an incredible third down play. I think they're four for four on third down in the first drive of the game. And then he manipulates the defense to make it look like he's rushing. Side note, the Bears tried to use Mitch as a threat to run early on to shift the defense. He makes a threat to run. The guy commits to him. He throws it over the top to Montgomery, who takes it to the house. Everything about that drive was fantastic. The play calling, the uh, execution, what they were seeing from the from the defense and where they were putting the ball. Everything was great there, and those are the scripted plays. So maybe this is a kind of a flashback to 2018 where the Bears are really, really good at moving the chains and running drives, and especially in those scripted series, it's when things get a little further along that they seem to struggle. But um, the So 
the Bears could be up 21 to nothing uh, going into the half. 21 to 3 going into the half. They're not. Miller drops a touchdown pass. It's a difficult one. He's a little bit shielded by the defender. Nevertheless, it's a drop. And I believe he went for the offer today after the fact. Uh, yeah, three targets, no catches. And that simply can't happen if the Bears are going to be who we need them to be. So the experience I had in the second half watching the Bears offense was like, why aren't why isn't this working? How is there no time left in the clock? What have we even done on offense? What are even the possessions we've gone through? Like I'm going through the play by play right here, just you know, looking at the different series. So, you know, come out of halftime, get a punt from the Giants really quickly, get the ball, two plays, and that's the first pick. Throwing it into tight coverage, ball gets batted up into the air. Next, the Giants get their field goal, all right? So they get their three points, and it was 17 to nothing at the half. I had that wrong. Could have been 21 nothing. Then the Bears uh, go nine plays. It. It's going okay, and then there's the third and sixth throw. This is a difficult throw. It's going out of bounds, but it hits Anthony Miller in the hands. I think he would expect to catch those balls. It goes off his hands. It's a miss, and it's time for the Bears to punt. Two huge plays by Anthony Miller um, in this game, and again, he was really, really great in the Lions game, but uh, if he's going to be the pro that he needs to be, if he's going to be the Bears' clear number two wide receiver and maybe threaten to be the number one down the line, he needs to be much more dependable than he was today. So the Bears punt, and that's when it starts to get hairy because uh, the Giants march the ball down the field, 11 plays, 95 yards. We're going to talk about the defense in a little bit here. The Bears get the ball back, and the very next time up there, they get a, a handful of plays, they convert a first down, and then Mitch throws the ball down the right sideline on a third and four. I've watched that play a couple times now, and you've got Cordero Patterson running free on a crosser. Do you want to be throwing the ball to Cordero Patterson? I don't know. I, I, he kind of has stone hands. He's not, he's not the first read. He's probably not the second read. He may not even be a read at all. It just may be where he ended up on the field. But I'm looking at the sideline camera, and it's a free first down if the bear, if Mitch sees him crossing two yards in front of the defender behind him. Nevertheless, it goes to Allen Robinson down the right sideline, and again. That's who should be getting the ball. That's where you should be looking to throw it. It seemed to be a good throw, and it just got taken away. So I, I can't beget the Bears for that. Like, on, on the offensive side of the ball, it's like they were – everything was looking pretty good. Um, didn't get it. Didn't get it. Then a field goal for the Giants. The Bears get the ball back, and they start to matriculate the ball down the field, recommitting to the running game. Uh, they get Montgomery for 11, Montgomery for 10. You got Mitch to scramble a little bit. Got a first down there. Uh, then they get knocked back by a, a chop block penalty, and immediately David Montgomery runs for 23 yards. I mean, truly, like, the Bears are just trying to salt away the win at this point. And then you get to third and two, and this is an inflection point for me watching this game. This is what I'm talking about when I say that a, a, a good quarterback finds a way. It's third and two. Mitch tries to force it over the middle, right over the top of the line, 
gets the ball knocked down. The ball, I feel like a lot of the time when Mitch is throwing the ball, the path of the ball is going to be threatened at multiple phases in in along the defense. The D line might get a hand up, a linebacker might step in front, a DB might be sitting behind it. His ability to manipulate coverages with his eyes and find open windows to create open windows is substandard at best. I think we all understand now that Mitch really, really struggles to see the field given you know missed receivers over the last few years. And it leads me to believe that he needs to be either a half field read or a two, two wide receiver or two target read before he tucks the ball and runs. And I know... Uh, in the past, we haven't done that because you didn't want to sus- have him be uh, susceptible to injury. But uh, we got Nick Foles as the backup now. I think that needs to go out the window. Mitch needs to be running the ball every game. And they did try that, especially early on. And I think that threat led to the initial touchdown, as I mentioned, and also some more running lanes for David Montgomery, for Tariq Cohen. The Bears, just in terms of running the football in general, um, 32 attempts for 135 yards and a 4.2 average. That's Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Montgomery coming back from injury, so he missed a little bit, but 16 carries for 82 yards and a 5.1 average. He looked great out there. He looked like a starting running back that you can build around. And honestly, the Bears' running game looks like one you can build around. James Daniels is much improved. Jermaine Effetti in the running game, save for the chop block, which, you know, in reflection, didn't seem all that bad. Nevertheless, the Bears can actually get a little physical going up the middle right now, and there are yards to be had. Now, we'll see what happens when the Bears get to a good defense down the line. So far, it's been the Lions, the Giants, and next week, the Falcons, who are a tire fire on defense. Gave up a 15-point lead late in the fourth quarter to let the Cowboys get a W. But uh, the Bears have a nice little mix in the running game, and that's predicated on getting push and guys knowing where to be. So, so far, you have to give Juan, the Juan Castillo hire an A because this team couldn't run for a yard last year, and all of a sudden now there seems to be some synchronicity, not just with um, the the play calling on the field, but also the general structure of the offense and playing to the talent of the offensive uh, line. It really seems like the Bears have a better mix going on. As for receiving, I don't know what to say. Like, if you're looking at the first half, you think, wow, the b- ball's getting spread around and everything looks good. But I'm looking at these totals now, and it just seems like, man, is that all we got? Is that all that could happen? Uh, you know, the leading receiver today is David Montgomery, and that's predicated on one long throw. But, you know, Allen Robinson, 33 yards. I think we should probably talk about the contract situation and how that may or may not be playing into things. That sounds a little radio host to me, but does seem to have had some effects. We'll see if it's correlation or causation. Darnell Mooney, really loving this kid, loving the rook, and three targets, three catches, 36 yards, and a touchdown, his first NFL touchdown. That dude's a get. And I was saying earlier uh, to a friend that fourth and fifth round pace, like day three pace is two-minute Mitch because, my God, does that guy unearth a mid-round gem. It looks like Darnell Mooney is the guy this year. But – just going back down the list, Jimmy Graham, one catch. Cole Komet gets his first NFL catch. I did think that the tight ends were going to be involved in the passing game a little bit more. There was one attempt at Demetrius Harris down the field, which was well covered and overthrown probably as a result of being so well covered. 
And that was a nice little like wrinkle they tried to throw in there to try to get him one. But I really thought as the game went on and, you know, they're in the late fourth quarter, why, why are there not just, you know, box out over the middle or, you know, flexing out to the side option routes for the tight end? Jimmy Graham's a huge dude. Like, can you not get three yards throwing, you know, against a dime back throwing to Jimmy Graham? Is that not sitting there for you just about every time? And then Cole Komet's barely on the field at this point. I, I can't be too upset about that given that he's a rookie. Nevertheless, 18 receptions for 190 yards. That probably isn't going to get it done given that the New York Giants are playing backups at uh, multiple DB positions and can be feasted on if you know where how to distribute the ball down the field. Now, we saw that in the first half. Why did it stop happening in the second half? Let's uh, read a little advertising really quick, and we'll come back and talk about that. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. I, I just I love saying all the capitalized things really loud, so that's going to be the nature of my read. Here you go. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you to the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire with 73 percent of online job seekers visiting indeed each month indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have for over three million businesses right now indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollar credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Okay, so why didn't the second half work? What was different about the offense? What was different, different about the defense, which all of a sudden couldn't get a push and couldn't get off the field. It seems simple-minded to say, hey, that's just the way the game flow went. But when you don't have a playmaker at quarterback, this is what's going to happen. Drives will just kind of bog down. There'll be a third down play. Hey, it was an incomplete pass. It bounced off the wide receiver's hands. What are you going to do? You punt. If your reaction to the play of your stars and a quarterback has to be your star is, hey, what can you do? Just bad luck there. That means you don't have a guy who can make plays. So Mitch is being put in a position where he has uh, a, a quality running game. I think we can say at this point, one that you can actually lean into a little bit uh, two weeks into the season, and he needs to be a better playmaker. And there were just... It's just an inflection point of just a couple plays in this one. In the first half, he was playmaking like crazy. That's the guy you need to see. In the second half, you've got, well, a couple things. One is a third down throw that he bails from the pocket. And if you look at that play again, he's got time. If he can just sit in there and stand in, he might be able to either 
find a guy or break up the middle. Instead, he breaks out to the left, uh, starts to run toward the sidelines, realizes that they want the clock to run, and just falls down. And it's just like, all right, uh, I'm not mad. You you didn't throw the ball to the other team. You didn't put the ball at risk. But golly, like it's winning time. It's winning time. It's time to find a first down. And then, my God, the third and two and fourth and two. It, he's so fortunate that Bobby Massey caught the one to extend the drive just a little bit longer. But both of those plays are shit. They're shit. It's Mitch with brain lock, trying to be so careful, gritting his teeth, whipping the ball right over the top of the line, not manipulating any of the defensive coverage because he's so focused on a single receiver. That's bad Mitch. And that's why the Bears had nothing in the second half because the playmaking stopped because butts got tight uh, and they were incredibly lucky to hang on with a goal line stand at the last possible second. At the end of the day, the Bears are 2-0, and and you have to be happy about it. But there's no question that coming up against a quality opponent, the Bears aren't going to be competitive at this point. They, uh, First of all, 17 points ain't going to get it done against a quality opponent, especially given the state of, and let's transition to, the defense. Same kind of thing. If you look at the stats, you go, hey, four sacks, five tackles for losses, or for loss. You got uh, two turnovers. And you've got four quarterback hits. That's a winning formula. Unfortunately, the Bears also let Daniel Jones, without Saquon Barkley and RIP Saquon Barkley's knee, I hate injuries. I hate that he got hurt. It's so frustrating. He's such an incredible talent, and it's awful to lose him from the NFL for a year. But the Giants shouldn't have been able to muster much of anything. Uh, they also lost, I believe it was, you know what, forgive me for not getting this right, uh, Darius Slayton to a foot injury? How's that sound? Yeah? No? Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton? We'll let the world decide. I'm going to guess Darius Slayton and get yelled at for it later for being wrong. There really weren't a whole lot of pieces there for them. And the the Bears are soft in coverage. When the pass rush stops getting home, it really feels like there are multiple uh, windows to pass the football, especially going over the middle, and you can just methodically move your way down the field. Now, a little bit of that is middle linebacker coverage. That was another issue today. But uh, the, the pass rush just wasn't getting home in the second half. And this is the second week of the NFL football season, perhaps. Uh, you've got, you know, uh, guys that aren't totally uh, in shape that aren't ready to go four quarters and play that many plays. I think we saw that they were gassed and there've been those occasions early in the season in other seasons. I think the Miami game of uh, two years ago of two years ago, definitely comes to mind where you're in the Miami heat. It's early in the season and the bears were just gassed in the second half. Overall, you look at this game and you say, man, just a handful of plays go a little bit differently and it's, you know, not a blowout necessarily, but a much, much, much calmer win. You've got the Anthony Miller drop touchdown, Anthony Miller drop third third down conversion, which is kind of 50-50 on ball placement and how open he was. I'm not going to yell at him too much for that. And then you've got the Eddie Jackson pick six that gets overturned because it was pass interference. He got there a little bit early. But, you know, 
one would assume, one would think that this is a full stadium. If the Bears fans are just in a frenzy, that maybe that one just uh, does that flag doesn't get pulled and you go to the house. There's just multiple plays like that where you say, man, the, the Bears, uh, it felt like should have easily been able to win. They should have been up 21 to nothing. And then uh, maybe, you know, the Giants get a set seven here or 10 points there. And then you get that Eddie Jackson, you know, take it to the house ones. It's 28 to 10 and salt away the victory. At the end of the day, it just seems like the Bears are going to be this team that are going to have to pray for the, the ball to fall the right way every single week because getting up by two, three touchdowns, getting up by 17 points and let, letting the defense salt away the games, it doesn't seem like they're consistent enough to be able to do that. Last week we had one quarter of consistent Bears football and they just barely were able to win because the other team dropped a, a touchdown pass. This week we got two Two good quarters of Bears football, especially on the offensive end, and they were able to make a stop at the end of the game that didn't require the other team to drop the football. So big improvements, huge improvements. I'll tell you what, though, and we'll, we'll go to go to do a little advertising really quick and come back to what's happening next. That ain't going to fly next week, ladies and gentlemen. Let's read some ads and come right back. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so next week, Bears, Falcons in Atlanta. Now, the Falcons are a tire fire because their defense can't stop anything. At the same time, their offense is absolutely incredible. So, let's just take like a step over to the their game against Dallas today and what kind of numbers they were putting up on offense. Matt Ryan's 24-36 for four touchdowns, sacked once. 273 yards. They really didn't run the ball great, worse than the Bears, 34 for a buck 13. But the ball is spread out to just like three guys. You know, you got Calvin Ridley, you got Hayden Hurst, and you got Russell Gage. By the way, Julio Jones hurt in the game, which is going to be critical for the matchup next week because I think that would be Kyle Fuller who would have to shadow him. Uh, it just seems to me that there's no possible way that the Bears can keep up offensively with Atlanta unless the defense all of a sudden makes some big changes and starts shutting down uh, the other team or creating turnovers. The Bears are really struggling to score points, and I think they're going to need 28 to, in order to beat the Atlanta Falcons. That's just my take on things. The Falcons scored 39 today and lost. That's somewhat incredible. And their defense... 
sucks. It, it, okay, they gave up 450 yards passing. Uh, they had one sack. I mean, I have to go back and look at the highlights to see exactly what happened. But Dan Quinn somehow convinced ownership to let him come back for one more round. Uh, uh, they're they're done. Um, 445 yards passing they gave up today. Gave up 34 completions and four, 49 attempts. 8.9 yards per pass. No interceptions. One sack. Gave up 125 on the ground. Had eight penalties. I mean, goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Uh, the, the, the Cowboys turned the ball over three times and Atlanta turned it over zero. And still, the Cowboys found a way to win. So, uh, what the Bears are going to face is an incredibly desperate team with a markedly better quarterback and a markedly better offensive engine. And if the Bears' defense can't step up and start creating havoc for other teams' offenses the bears are going to be in a lot of trouble. So uh, I, for one, just given the nature of the bear struggles and the Falcon struggles, I would say that um, it's going to be tough next week. That's just the early take here, but my nature is to kind of harp on the things that aren't working. I just want to go back to a final stat and it's two victories to zero losses. This is the strangest NFL season of my lifetime I really don't know what's coming down the line. It seems like injuries are now going to be a big part of this as guys didn't have preseason, kind of came in late. I don't know if that's correlation or causation. But either way, the Bears are a first-place football team. And for a guy like me who made a dumb bet at the early on this year that the Bears would win more than eight games and that they would make the playoffs – what seemed like a terrible, terrible, awful, stupid homer bet is now all of a sudden seeming incredibly reasonable given that they've got two in the bank and that the playoffs are expanded. And so to sneak in as like the third wild card now is a completely viable thing. Now, the Minnesota Vikings uh, may in fact suck. It's not entirely clear yet. They have a bunch of young kids on defense that can be uh, preyed on that's very very abundantly clear and you've got um, Kirk Cousins and he's he's like a good Mitch where if you're counting on him to be able to make up for other deficiencies along your roster it's going to be a long season and then you have the Detroit Lions who just seem uh, bound and determined to shit the bed and to put themselves in a bad position and you've got I would say the smart money is on Dan Quinn and Matt Patricia being first fired this year with Adam Gase definitely being in the mix. Actually, that's a good bet. If you had to bet money right now on the first to be fired, is it Matt Patricia, Dan Quinn, or Adam Gase? I contend Adam Gase will finish this year because the Jets want the number one pick. I think Matt Patricia is the first to get fired. And you have to wonder that if – COVID and the protocol and the the um, just the bizarreness of this year affects you know firings and whether or not you make that kind of change midseason or if just ownership is just going to be like you know what just punt on the season let them play out the string we can't go with any more change we've already had it's been hard enough getting things dialed in keep them but my money is on Matt Patricia losing his job first because the Lions have been terrible for multiple years now and uh, it's hard to see them getting any better. And they got absolutely steamrolled by 
The last team in the division, the one we should probably talk about, which is the Green Bay Packers, who put up 42 again, and Aaron Rodgers is on one. Only 30 attempts, 240 yards, two touchdowns, just super solid. And then the running game, good God. Aaron Jones had 168 yards and two touchdowns. 168 yards. My friends, that was on 18 attempts. That's a 9-3 average. And again, he had a 75-yard uh, you know, long one. But that's how a really good running average happens as you break a couple long ones. That is genuinely terrifying, I have to say. Um, yikes. Yikes. So uh, I, I think nobody would argue that the Packers are the class of this division. But if the Bears can start to put together, let's let's go for three quarters next week. You know what I want next week? I want three good quarters of Bears offensive football. The defense, we'll talk about that. It comes and goes. They seem to give up a few long drives. There have also been some really nice flashes of three and outs, of getting off the field on third down, of creating some pressures. There were a lot of pressures on the Giants today, and they have a really bad offensive line. So, you know, take take from that what you want to, but you play the opponent in front of you, and for – Multiple periods today, the Bears were dominant on offense and dominant on defense. And for multiple periods today, the Bears were shit on offense and poop on defense. And it just begs the question of, is the glass half full or glass half empty? I don't know. I don't know. You know what? It's half full because there's two victories at the end of it. And I think uh, as I reflect on what happened today and how absolutely anxious I was in those final seconds and how mad I was going to be that they gave this one away they didn't and the NFL is predicated on that in who can just win the damn game stats be damned failures leading up to that point be damned and so maybe this is the year where the Bears can get back to their winning ways just from the fortune of the 50-50 coin flip at the end of the game the penalty that gets called the ball that gets batted away the goal line stand you name it Either way, it's a great start to the season, and if the Bears are going to continue to improve and gain, you know, gather momentum based on these victories, and you have to say, like, if you look back at 2018, so much of their success was predicated on, you know what, if we just stick together and keep trying, we're going to win. And last year, there were so many things that went wrong that any time they, they plugged one hole, another leak sprung somewhere else, it was like bad play whack-a-mole guys weren't lined up in the right places substitutions would go wrong there were penalties all over the line Mitch was terrible the running game was terrible it was really a comedy of errors and at a certain point it just seemed like the expectation was that they would find a way to lose or at least to play poorly meanwhile in 2018 a team with a new coach a uh, new system, new everything. Every win they stacked was another bit of confidence that would lead them into the next game. So we have an aging defense. I was shocked to learn that the Bears now have the oldest defense in the league. Um, wow, that happened really fast. And part of that is about the veterans you bring in, etc. But okay, this is not uh, an ascending defense anymore. This is can they hang on as a very good to great defense? Right now, I'd say they're good. Um, uh, with moments of very good. But that dominance we saw, I think the last time we saw that dominance was week three of last year against the Minnesota Vikings when they absolutely destroyed uh, Kirk Cousins at home. 
and that Bears soldier field advantage when the defense is feasting is not going to be a part of this year. And so I think some of those warts will be laid bare where, uh, no pun intended, where the defense maybe isn't as good as we thought they were going to be, and that puts a hell of a lot of pressure on Mitch, on the offensive staff, on Bill Lazor, on the Bears to maintain drives, to uh, have three three-phase balance. The Bears finally, finally, finally uh, had a really, really good uh, time of possession. They won the time of possession, I think, for the first time, and I don't know, certainly this year, and it's been a few years since they've they've done it just because of the nature of the way the Bears play. Let's see what they are. Team stats, sorry. Yeah, uh, 34, to 29, uh, 34 minutes to 25 minutes, and almost all of that was first half, just owning the ball and then trying to salt it away late. If the Bears can do that and keep the defense off the field and rested, they'll have a really, really good chance to succeed. The special teams, look, Cordell Patterson has been tasked to take every single ball out of the end zone and smash through with it. That's great. I think he's going to pop one at some point. And then you have Cairo Santos, who, you know, missed a 50-yarder today. You wish he made it. He didn't miss it terribly. It had a chance to fade back in. We're not going to win a lot of games based on great special teams. I think I feel the same way about Cairo Santos as I do about Eddie Pinheiro, which is, he's fine. He's fine. I, I don't feel terrible when he's going up there to kick one. I might even like him to do it, but it's not the sort of thing you're going to lean in on and go, hey, if we just get you know in in the in the area our defense will stand up and we can kick a winning field goal and we just need to kind of like you know not do anything too crazy on offense because we know that can get us through lovey ball is what that's called lovey ball uh yeah that's not what's going to happen the defense is going to turn down a little bit the offense has got to pick up the slack and the bears are going to have to be a three-phase football team that really shares the load across the entire roster and if that happens, there's a chance to be a halfway decent uh, and possible playoff contending football team. For now, it's 2-0 and uh, and a very, very, very shaky 2-0. and I cannot wait to see what happens against the Atlanta Falcons, who, again, terrible on defense, really great on offense, but certainly a, a new way to measure the quality of this Bears team, given that the Lions and the Giants – seem to be among the dregs of the NFL. So a better test next week, uh, a chance for Mitch to do three good quarters, three. We would take three, and a chance for the Bears to go 3-0 and oh this year. Crazier things have happened, folks. Hope you and yours are safe, having a good one, and enjoying the victory as much as I am. We'll see you next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.